Okay, hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and we're now live on Facebook. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's August 24th. I can't believe um, how quickly time flies. We're at the end of August. I think when I speak to you next week this time, it'll be September. Hard to imagine going back to school. Those of you who go back to school, though, I have to admit, from what I see, most people don't start school after Labor Day anymore. They start school in the middle of the month so it's kind of interesting in that regard so it, it is pretty uh, pretty times have pretty much changed uh, today I'm gonna speak about MCNs of the pancreas mucinous cystic neoplasm and on Monday I gave a talk to the IPMN uh, international group and I spoke about IPMNs versus MCNs versus other cystic tumors MCNs mucinous cystic neoplasm and I'm gonna use MCN to make it easier from here on in are tumors most commonly described in women in their 40s. They're most commonly seen in the body of the pancreas. They often have septations, which is ovarian stroma. The problem with MCNs, particularly when they get larger, which would be typically over 4 cm, there's a high chance that they're going to turn into a malignancy. So essentially, if you have an, if you have an MCN and you resect it early, whether either it's a low-grade dysplasia or in that category, you'll cure the patient. So the challenge is resecting them or following them, particularly when they're under four centimeters. People will typically do EUS, look at the, the cytology. There are new tests for looking at the fluid from EUS, which can predict whether there's early changes of malignancy or simply uh, doesn't need to be followed. At a minimum, a patient with an MCN, let's say it's 2 or 3 cm, and the patient may have some other risk factors, would need to be watched very carefully so the patient doesn't develop a malignancy. So that becomes very important. Now, the question about MCNs is really the management. You know, you're in the body of the pancreas, typically, though they can't be in the head or the tail, but when you're in the body of the pancreas, often you don't have a dilated pancreatic duct. The duct looks normal. And you may have calcifications, particularly around the edge of a lesion. If you're certain it's an MCN, again, you did the EUS, the big discussion comes on taking it out. Again, as I mentioned, there's work going on looking at the uh, fluid within the cystic lesion to be a predictor, but it's not quite perfectly there yet. Now, we also know that MCNs can look like IPMNs. They could look like serous adenomas, particularly oligocystic serous adenomas. Theoretically, they can look like neuroendocrine tumors, cystic neuroendocrine tumors. They're usually cystic neuroendocrine tumors are very vascular around the rim, so that's typically um, not going to be a problem making that differential diagnosis. But the question is a lot leave in or leave out. Now, one of the things we're doing with AI is being able to try to use AI to predict which lesions to leave in and which to take out. Now remember, if it's a body of the pancreas tumor, you're going to have to do a distal pancreatectomy. It's not as bad as doing a Whipple's, obviously, not as extensive surgery, but all of a sudden you have a body of the pancreas resection, typically a splenectomy. It's not inconsequential, right? Um, of course, if you do it early enough, you will cure the patient. Um, if you have to do a Whipple's, there's much more problems in terms of complications post-op, as well as long-term complications. But since these are mainly body tumors, uh, you'll be able to do a distal pancreatectomy. The question 
and we're doing some work and we're going to publish it soon the work with Microsoft basically looks and can predict with a high degree of accuracy whether these lesions are low-grade malignancies or they're going to end up being benign and can be simply followed uh, that's going to be very very important now when I gave my talk on Monday one of the surgeons and I will mention his name but he's one of a really nice guy and one of the best surgeons in the world in pancreas not from Hopkins by any means and um, I, I asked him the question about what would it take with AI to be a, for him to use AI in practice and he said AI would need to be 100% accurate 100% of the time which is a, a big ask obviously so I said why I mean you know physicians are probably 60 or 70 percent accurate in some papers there is accuracy in predicting malignancy of tumors is 40 percent from even experienced people and he said in his mind as a surgeon his job to the patient is not to leave someone with a cancer that he could have resected and so to him the worst case scenario would be that if he says it's nothing we're just going to follow it because AI says that and the patient ends up getting a cancer that he could have cured a few years earlier the reason that's important and the reason I bring it up it makes a very important point about AI AI is getting better and better and will get better and better and we're working very hard on the pancreas for example but if you say to me Elliot it needs to be hundred percent accurate I'm gonna tell you we should stop working on it because it's no chance in hell anything is gonna be hundred percent accurate but if that's your expectations we need to change your expectations or change something now we're not saying that the computer is going to be there replacing the doctor and the doctor's judgment we're saying the computer is going to help make decisions if you look in big series if you're 40 percent accurate and the computer can push you to 90 percent that will save a lot of patients from getting surgery remember pancreatic surgery is not like a little nothing it's either a whipples or a distal there's a several percent mortality there's 10 to 20 percent uh, complication rates which can put the patient out for months patients particularly with whipples and you can have all sorts of things from becoming diabetics poor quality of life poor nutritional status you name the problems are not inconsequential and also the surgeon from from the outside you know he has really good results he's one of the best surgeons in the world but he's not the average surgeon there's patients in 50 states and 200 and some odd countries what about those patients if the computer is accurate 90 percent of the time it's going to save a lot of people from getting unnecessary surgery is it possible that somebody who should have gotten surgery the computer will say no well perhaps the clinician will get it that right but being perfect is going to be the enemy of good so really you know what we're sitting here the day after Nvidia showed how deep AI is penetrating uh, and it's everywhere every company whether it's Google or Nvidia whether it's Facebook whether it's Microsoft whether it's Sloan Kettering Mayo Cleveland Clinic Hopkins everybody everywhere medical school undergraduate campuses graduate campuses everyone's doing it and their expectations are such that we need to do well now Linda Chu wrote an article that said on pancreatic cancer radiologists expected 95 percent accuracy and to pick up lesions over five millimeters okay that's expectations that may be unrealistic 
And particularly, radiologists are 75% accurate. Two sodomies are better. What if at least we started with AI being 90 plus percent when the radiologist is 75 percent? I think one of the things that could hurt AI or hurt patient care is unrealistic expectations. Clinicians are not 100 percent accurate. We know we're never going to be perfect. The question is how good do we need to be? And I think as we teach people to think about expectations and think about reality, that's going to be a very important point. And so I've twisted in a circle my MCN talk. MCNs are something I could recognize pretty well, I think. Look at patient's age, 45 female, body of the pancreas, septation, swirly, look for nodularities. If I see thickened septations, nodularity, I'm saying high-grade dysplasia. Over 4 cm, it's going to come out anyway. But what I'm saying to you is I'm trying to think and we're working how we can use AI to make it better and have the same quality of care everywhere for these patients. But I'm going to tell you it's not going to be 100%. It's not going to be perfect. And if you expect 100%, we have a problem. It's a very good point because I think it's something we're not there yet by any means. But I think it's a really good time for us to have the conversation about how good things are. With that, let me say hi to John Bikino, who's home today. And John, I'm working from home too. You can see uh, around, that's some Martians in the back there. And Baha Mohammed, thanks for what to do in this page, has benefited and helped me in radiology. Well, we appreciate we can be helpful. And with that, I think we're gonna, I gotta go back and I gotta do some testing on my phone about our latest CTSSI quiz, which I think I'm almost finished checking. If I finish checking it, I could tell Sarah to submit it to the Apple Store, and hopefully you guys will have it by September 1st. Anyway, with that, I wish everybody a great day.